This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The King's Pulse podcast is recorded and hosted on Anchor. It is the easiest way to make a podcast, and it is 100% free. It gives you everything you need to record, edit all of it so it sounds smooth and professional, and upload it all from your phone and or your computer. They distribute your podcast to every major platform. They give you an opportunity to make some money in the process as well. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse NBA Podcast, part of the Pulse Podcast Network. I am your host, Brendan Nunez. We will be going in-depth on all things Sacramento Kings going on, anything throughout the NBA world, and we are part of the Pulse Podcast Network. Be sure to check out the rest of the great podcasts and people that are part of the network at PulsePodcastNetwork.com. Enjoy the episode. Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse NBA podcast. And today we have a special guest on the show. I have Rich from Sacktown Royalty. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing good, Brandon. Thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, I appreciate you taking the time. And as the King season winds down here, there's only a handful of games left. Obviously, the big difference this year, I mean, they won games. They were predicted to be one of the worst teams in the league, if not the worst. And a lot of that is attributed to De'Aaron Fox and Buddy Heald having most improved player type seasons. But aside from that, where did you really see improvements being made in this team? Obviously, bringing in Bagley, you got some Giles. But is there anything that you feel like hasn't been given credit where it's due on why this Kings team has been playing so well this season? Um, honestly, I think that the the improvements have been uh, uh, pretty well justified. I guess there's still some speculation around the Kings community if Dave Yorger is the Dave Yeager is the right guy for the job, and I, that was one thing that I, I think would be a mistake. Um, and and perhaps Dave isn't getting enough credit uh, for bringing these guys along. Obviously, his uh, player development along with the assistant coaches and and perhaps Vlade's uh, uh, decisions on who to pick and who to sign, that sort of thing, they may not be getting the credit they deserve. But um, as far as on the court, I think that, you know, Fox and Buddy's improvements are, are rightfully pointed to as, as the biggest jump forward. Yeah, fair enough. And this upcoming offseason is a little bit different for Sacramento. Usually we're looking at the draft around this time, scouting some college players, paying close attention to March Madness, but we don't have that draft pick. And it 
wouldn't be crazy high anyways, but it's going to Boston. The We have our main core coming back of Fox, Buddy, Bogey, Bagley, Giles, really. That seems like the future five. Barnes is in there somewhere as well. But I, I kind of wanted to go through those five guys a little bit and was curious where you thought that they could make that next jump or really just what they should focus on in this offseason. And starting with Fox, I, I'll i give you my opinion first and see if you agree with it here. Mm-hmm. I, I think that obviously still keep working on the jump shot, which has looked a lot better this year. But if he's able to stop on a dime, which he does fairly well already, and really to me, a lot of it is just free throws because he can get to the paint. And if his free throw percentage goes up, he's going to be able to get there more confidently. And I honestly think he could become unstoppable on the offensive end. And I think that's the main point that I would really like to see him improve. Just hitting hitting a little bit more from the from the free throw line? Yeah. And I, like, I, I think he's obviously going to work on everything else a little bit as well. Everything will get tuned up. But that's the major improvement where if I had to nitpick one stat, I, I would give me 85% there. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it. I was pretty impressed uh, to see him, especially in the Dallas game. Uh, he knocked down. I think. I think he was eleven for twelve or something yeah. like that in the fourth. Uh, or the team was eleven for twelve in the fourth quarter, and I think that Fox was also uh, put up a similar number across the game, and that was huge. I mean, that's how you down with a few minutes left and, and seal the game. So that type of of clutch performance is obviously huge. And one thing I would, uh, you know, you mentioned the jump shot for Fox. Obviously, you want every player to be working on the shot all the time in a in you know a league like this where shooting is probably the number one thing that that uh, that's at least the point of which the the league has evolved around is, has been shooting in the last five or ten years. Yeah, obviously, you want everyone to, to be able to knock down shots, but uh, for him, I'd say. Uh, I, I would I would encourage more of a volume than necessarily an improvement uh, in his percentage. I just want to see him shoot it more because Fox obviously has a tremendous amount of gravity on offense because he's so fast. And like you said, he can stop on a dime and change direction. If he can pass all that stuff. But if he's shooting it more from the outside, he's going to be drawing even more of the defense's, uh, the defense, an opposing defense's attention. And that's going to be opening up more lanes for him. It's going to be opening up uh, more lanes for cutters and he's going to be able to move the ball around more. And that would be, cause he's really only shooting it about as frequently as he did last season. He's just hitting it more. Yeah. And I think part of that is kind of him just trying really taking on that leader role but when you say higher volume, do you mean anything specifically between three-point shots, mid-ranges? I know the league is kind of looks down on mid-ranges a little bit, but Fox is really good at that. Is it just all of the above? Just get up more shots? Oh, yeah. I uh, should have been more clear about that. I mean three-point shots. I, I want to see him shoot it more from deep because he is up to 37% now yeah. from three, but he's shooting less than three threes a game. So I want to see that around five attempts a game from deep. And uh, if he can, you know, keep it above 35, 36% at that pace, then uh, I mean, that's, that's a dangerous player. That's going to change the scouting report on him. Yeah. Uh, and that, that'll be huge. Yeah, I would agree with that. So then on to the next one here, buddy, I, I feel like obviously one of the best three point shooters in the league that if he 
he and we see him getting to the rim a lot more this season. I think that does a lot for his shooting that obviously people got to respect him from outside so he's able to go past people. I think if he tighten up his handle that his fit and maybe his finishing too, but I feel like the handle is the first step there where if he can get past guys, be a little bit creative with the handle that he'd really be able to take that offense to another level. I definitely agree with you. I, I get a little bit nervous when I see him dribbling too much. Uh, definitely caught him a few times dribbling the ball off his foot or his knee. And, and uh, yeah, he's not a great ball handler, not an amazing passer for, for a two guard. Um, he's totally fine. You know what I mean? Uh, he's a yeah. fine passer. He, he can, he's got some moves dribbling, but uh, I think he's a little bit below average in those aspects. Uh, obviously he's, yeah, like you said, an amazing shooter. So that makes up for a lot of it. But um, the handling, uh, you know, knowing when to pass, I think, too, is is something that he can struggle with at times um, because he's just so money at times that he you kind of see his head working where he's like, am I shooting it too much? Am I not shooting it enough? Like, is this do I need to defer now? Can I just fire away? I wonder sometimes if you know, if coach gets in his head a little bit about taking too many threes, um, taking a three when the game's on the line, I think is he's kind of been given the green light more and more as time's, time has gone on. But that and um, defensively, I'd like to see him kind of stick to his man a little bit more. I, I see him playing kind of uh, hero defense at times. He'll leave his guy and, and try to help, which is fine. Um, it's a fine instinct, but that sometimes leaves his man uh, wide open and that worries me a little bit. Yeah. Buddy has really surprised me defensively this season. Um, It's really just effort. I mean, I feel like a lot of defense is just that is how hard you're going to try because all of these guys in the NBA obviously are insane athletes. They're all very capable, but if you're going to put in the effort on the defensive end, which a lot of people just don't want to, that you can at least be a capable defender. And Buddy has really impressed me in that regard. He has this knack for when the when the opposing team gets a defensive rebound, he will occasionally just go in there and swat the ball away from their hand. And it's like, I guess it's a steal. It's not technically an offensive rebound, but that's practically what it feels like. What have you thought, aside from, you know, leaving his man a little bit this time, have you been surprised by Buddy's defensive effort this year? When we're talking about effort, absolutely. Um, really impressed. I, I think that, you know, he is just working his butt off out there. You see him sprinting up and down the court. You know, on defense, you, you don't always see that from two guards that are great scorers. They kind of, they'll kind of, um, conserve their energy a little bit on defense. Yeah. What Hield is doing, he is, he is putting in the maximum effort. Although I would say I, I'm not as impressed as you maybe as far as the execution because he does he doesn't have an amazing effect on defense as far as I'm concerned the are are super low for him he does not generate turnovers um and I wonder sometimes if that little that kind of hero ball um defensively that I was discussing there if that's not an effort from him to try to get a couple more steals than he does uh, because a guy who is playing 32 minutes a night and is only getting, you know, 
0.7 steals per game. Not that I want to be too attached to these these numbers, but you know that that's low. That indicates that he's not an incredible uh, on ball yeah. defender. And the Kings just love those steals. Like if they can get out in transition, it's a free bucket. Especially you get the ball to Fox. I mean, obviously, Buddy runs great in transition. Those steals do so much for the Sacramento offense. That's a great point. Yeah. And the next guy, you talked on over-dribbling a little bit for Buddy. I feel like Bogey is the king of that for this team at times, especially really the second half of this season. And I'll let you start with what you think on Bogey needs to improve. And that's partially because I'm not so sure. Um, I want to say consistency. But if you're a streaky shooter, that's kind of what you are. I mean, he, I think he tunnel visions a little too much. Yeah, he is kind of a tough nut to crack as far as is what he can improve or what he's doing wrong or what he's doing right. He's obviously been slumping in a pretty serious way. Um, at least, you know, the one thing that really worries me is – since uh, the All-Star break, I feel like every time he has a chance uh, to finish around the rim, he's he's blowing some open looks. Um, I feel like I see it, especially in the fourth quarter. I'll see like I'll see him miss a layup that I'm that I'm like, man, he did not miss those as a rookie. Um, I, I'm actually working on a piece right now for Sacktown Royalty about his struggles, and it's been hard to figure out exactly what's going on with him, but. I want to share this stat uh, with you that I pulled up. And it to me, what this is suggesting is that he's kind of wearing down as the seasons go, seasons go on and as games go on. So I'll drop this on you. It's kind of um, a lot of numbers here, but if it, if it works, just stick with me here. Yep. Uh, this is his field goal percentage, overall field goal percentage before and after the All-Star break. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to start with last year. Before the All-Star break, 46.4%. After the All-Star break, 41.1%. Hmm. So a pretty good drop off there. And then this year, before, it was 42.4%. And after, is down to 37.4%. Uh, again, a pretty big drop off. And then this is the same splits, or a different splits from the same years. And this is the first half of games versus the second half of games. So first half of games last year. 47.2, second half of games, 41.3. And then this year, first half of games, 43.3%. Second half of games down to 38.9. So to me, what that's telling me is that he's kind of wearing down as games go on. And with his knee injury, I, I got to think that's somewhat to blame, that he's just he gets tired, his body gets sore, and he, he can't finish quite as well. Yeah, that's interesting. So it's almost suggesting that it's kind of a conditioning thing, maybe. Yeah, conditioning or like uh, literal durability. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Do you think that he, I mean, because there is that drop after the All-Star break, but even before, it was a significant difference last year compared to this. Do you think that part of that is now you see him in more of a bench role, which I think he's perfectly suited for. I think that he could be a great six man, but he does seem to rely on confidence a little bit and maybe not being in that starting five affects that. My best guess is that it's more about him being asked to do too much. So I would lean towards 
kind of keeping him as a, a super sub as a, and maybe lowering his minutes, but asking him to kind of like an addition, by subtraction, like do more with less time at like, especially if this is an energy fatigue type of thing, conditioning type of thing, then it's maybe, you know, instead of playing you 28 minutes a night, we'll play you 24 minutes a night, but just give, you know, as much energy as you can in those 24 minutes. And then hopefully your efficiency improves. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. That's interesting. I never realized any of that. So I'm going to focus on, you know, if he, if he's getting less minutes, what's happening first half compared to second half, but moving on to the next guy, we got Bagley here and Bagley and Giles, both the next two, obviously there's a whole lot they can work on. Both of them are rookies this year, but for me, Bagley, and it's really happened throughout this year. Like it's amazing to see his progression. He's smart. I think that he is going to grow to be unstoppable on the offensive end. I love that Golden State game where Durant ripped it from him four times. I want to say it was when he went up and finally at the end, instead of going straight up, he straight up, he ripped through, drew the foul. For me, it's just realizing what his strengths are and not fo- forcing anything. Obviously, there's that right hand. I would love to see him be a better catch-and-shoot guy, but I just think that if he were able to slow down a little bit, and this will come with time, that knowing his spots and knowing where he wants to get, if he can watch this entire season of film, which I'm sure he's been doing, and just realize where he really excels. Yeah, totally. I I think those are all great points, and I agree that, those are things that will come with time and experience, you know, I mean, he's a young guy, uh, even for a rookie. So getting these minutes, getting these reps in will help with all that, I think. And then the one other thing I would add is just, um, that I want him to bulk up. Uh, I want, I want him to add size and weight in the off season. And I think that will come with age too. You know, I mean, you can't be, 19 uh just turned 20 a couple weeks ago that's not you know i mean he i don't you know he hasn't had the full offseason the nba offseason to yeah. to get the conditioning and that's it's something the kings do pretty well or at least um last year i remember there was a, a couple of weeks there where of, of the guys just looking like hulkish uh i remember i don't know if you saw like the picture of like scowl with the beard and it looked like he put on like <laughs> 25 pounds of muscle. Yeah. So much hype behind that guy. <laughs> that, I mean, that's just what I want. That's what I want for Willie and uh, for Barnes as well. I'm sure we'll talk about, uh, sorry for, uh, excuse me, Giles as well. Yeah. I'm sure we'll talk about him too, but I just want to see him get bigger. And, uh, and like you said, he's going to learn the game more. Is that because you like Bagley at the five? It's that's exactly right. Yeah. Okay. So then, but how do you feel about the, so going into Giles, but really that pairing first, for me, that's the future front court. Do you think that those guys can play okay against other teams as a starting front court, a four or five right there? I mean, it's not much size. I think it's plenty of size, um, at least not, uh, let me rephrase that. It's not enough size right now, but these guys are 20 year olds. And I, yeah. I think. By the time they're in their grown man bodies, like this is, especially, you know, and, and Giles has been slowed by injury. So he probably hasn't had the time to even develop to where he, he could be strength wise and, 
conditioning wise. So yeah, I mean, Bagley is not a little dude. Uh, I I don't think Giles is a little dude either. I think that by the time these guys are 22, 23 years old, they'll be, they'll be forces to reckon with uh, in the paint. Okay. And if you run into like a Drummond or a different big guy like that, I mean, do you just have another bigger body almost on on your bench that you can go to? Is, is that what you're going to need with that? Or do you think that those guys will be able to handle it? You know, I think that's a great idea. I, I definitely would um, invest. And if we get into the uh, some off-season talk here, we'll definitely touch on some guys that can play that role. But I am... Yeah, I, I, I think that's you can play a matchup there if you need to, but then again, like I'm not too afraid of Drummond because maybe he's gonna paint push push Willie around in the paint. Uh sorry, not really. <laughs> Excuse me. Thankfully, uh hopefully he won't be down there to push around in the paint, but he'll be pushing around badly in the paint. But at the same time, I mean he's so exploitable on the other side of things. I think that Giles can out finesse him and can can play a little a little outside in and and do what they need to do to get theirs and I don't see Drummond or uh, you know anyone of, of that size to be you know end our uh, chances at winning a game like that I, I don't see um, you know your Go Bears your Stephen Adamses those guys are going to be problems but they're problems for every team you know? yeah yeah that's fair and then. Just touching on the last one for Giles here, really all it is for me, I just want the guy to stay healthy. I mean, he has all the tools, maybe moving his feet a little better defensively. Obviously, he's done a lot better job of not fouling, but just toning that a little bit and just have a whole offseason to work on your game because this guy, I mean, everyone talks about it, was the number one guy in high school out of an amazing draft class. He has all the potential in the world. I love his game offensively, the way he can pass, his vision. It, it's all there. He just needs a healthy offseason and a healthy career, really. Obviously, you hope that for everybody. But with Giles' past, I, I just really hope for the sake of him and the Kings that he can stay okay. Absolutely. That is... Uh... That is something that definitely scares me about Giles, but I think that he's got so much going for him um, that if he does stay healthy, that you're right, this can be the front court of the future. Um, you know, I think that he's his sort of peripheral skills are so good, such a good passer. He's got so many like little extra things that he does that are impressive that I uh, is kind of more on you know standard traditional big man skills. He's not been a great rebounder, you know, stuff like that. And then you mentioned um, the free throw percentage for Fox, and you can pretty much apply that to anybody on this team. Yeah. Giles and, and Bagley are not great free throw shooters right now either. Yeah, and that has made us lose so many of these close games. I mean, you could really debate that we would be really tasting that eight seed if we could just make some free throws, if we were middle of the pack, because I want to say that they're fourth worst if they still are after last in NBA, in free throw percentage throughout the league, which is just terrible. And a big one, the worst in the league that really gets minutes or the worst on the team is Cully Stein. I want to say it's 52% around there. And you yeah. kind of hinted at it earlier. You think, you think he's gone. Like I, I researched 
about what I thought he would be getting players that maybe similar skill set about his age. I saw JaVale McGee back when he was coming off his rookie contract at 24 years old, getting four years, 44 million, 11 a year. Obviously, there's a lot more money to be thrown out this offseason. More recently, Nurkic, which is a little bit different, uh, but 24 years old, four year, 48 million. That's about 12 million a year. A- am I right in thinking that he's probably about that 10 to 15 a year? I mean, there were there was Kevin Durant really talking him up before. I think he has the potential, and that's going to make some team bite. Oh, man. It is such a difficult talking point for anyone that watches the Kings or writes about the Kings or is a fan of the Kings. You know, he is... Uh, His last two games were great. Yeah, but like, but were they though? Like, I, I know this is. I I don't I don't I I don't want this to be perceived as like Willie hate that a lot of people classify it as, but or played an amazing game. I I even when he racks up and boards, when I, when he puts that up, what I'm seeing was the potential to do so much more than that, or to actually affect the game in ways that don't show up on the stat sheet. I I don't know that I've ever watched him play a full game without seeing a possession where in my mind I'm screaming like put your hands up, like yeah. keep your hands above your waist. Yeah. No, I I think that it's really hard to say because you you make a good point. He does have potential. There probably are a few teams out there that will see him as a good fit for what they want to do, just they'll see his positives and they'll be like, well, these are the positives we wanted and they'll overlook the negatives. But I think there's a real chance that he out and ends up on like a two year, 20 million deal at most. I And I think there's a real chance that he ends up taking something around the qualifying offer or, or he, he builds himself up too much. So he takes a one year deal for as much as he can get and tries to prove it and, and get a longer deal after that. But trouble seeing him getting more than 40 million. I mean, even 40 million over four years, I feel like no, no team would really be, be offering that personally. And I, I certainly don't think the Kings would do that. Yeah. So in your mind, he's off the roster this next season. In my mind. Yes. Okay. I, I would agree with that. And so kind of looking at, or one other guy to touch on is Harrison Barnes. He's got this $25 million player option. There's talk of them maybe restructuring for, I'm hearing like 40 or 20 million a year, which is a lot, but he's still young. Do you, do you think that's more likely or keeping him on this one more year? He accept the player option. I, he's fit seamlessly. I've loved the fit. I think that he's great as this what a third option, whatever he is, and plays good defense. I like him on the team. Do you think he gets restructured this offseason? I think that he stays with the team. Um, yeah, I do. I, I do think that he'll get some sort of longer-term deal, and I will applaud that because all the things that I just said about Willie, you can kind of invert that for Harrison. It, it doesn't matter what kind of shows up in the stat sheet. 
he's a guy who, when I watch him play, particularly on defense, I'm just like, man, this this dude is doing everything right. He just it, he is that like, low usage guy that I could see being alongside of guys like Fox and Bagley and and Buddy and Giles for a long time and and fitting into that. You know, you can't have five guys that are just offensive superstars. Yeah. As long as he's he, he's done playing iso ball um, in the way he was deployed in Dallas, which certainly seems it is the case, uh, yeah, yeah, sign me up for four years, eighty million, absolutely. Yeah, I agree. I think Dallas, especially after seeing that Golden State run, him being super young, thought that there was potential of maybe a number one, number two option, and that's just not quite what he is. So it does seem like he's toned down the isolation a little bit. So moving forward, I mean. That practically gives you your starting lineup. I mean, at least your future that you're looking at. Am I am I correct in thinking sometimes cap space gets a little confusing for me? Am I correct in thinking we're looking about 32 million in cap space this offseason? Do you know? Um, this upcoming offseason, they have a lot to work with. Are you are you saying um, assuming Harrison gets 20 million? That was assuming that? the 25, I believe. Assuming the 25, what I'm looking at now is a lot more. It's more like 70 million to work with, but oh, that's okay. before that's before any extensions are given to uh, healed. Uh, yeah, so I mean, yeah, what I'm looking at here, I, I and I wouldn't have any reason to doubt this is that they they've got a ton of money to work with. Okay, that yeah, that I mean, works yeah. better. So then. A lot of the Easily. needs I've been seeing yeah. are obviously that center that we talked about, a backup point guard. Uh, I know Yogi has one more year on his deal, I believe, so he's there, but someone to fill that a little better. And then a 3 and D guy, like, or not necessarily 3 and D, but a versatile wing. Um, are those what you feel like those three needs really are? Oh, I'm so sorry. I just wanted to. I'm. I'm sorry. I was looking at the wrong. No, no worries. You're. You're absolutely right. It's a. It's inverted of that. So it's. They'll be thirty below. Uh, the I was looking at their cap total, which is seventy-one. Um, so you're. You're absolutely right. I, that's totally my mistake. And they have. I was uh, ready to get some only, big names, man. Yeah, uh, but they they will have enough to to offer max if they want to. So, you know, I think that's. As far as the Kings are, the purposes of their cap, it's like, I think anybody is in play right now. Okay. Do you think that, I mean, obviously you love a max guy, but if you do offer that max, you don't have much else to work with. But I guess you need, what do you need? You need, you really need a center. So the guys that are gone are, like we said, we assume Barnes is back. Alex Burks, Costas Kufis, Cauley Stein, Corey Brewer. Um, Caleb Swanigan, smaller on a team option. Um, so really, I mean, the guys that are seeing minutes are Cauley Stein and Brewer. If you, yeah, I guess if you got a max guy and then one smaller level contract, it could work out okay. Well, yeah, the name that I keep hearing is uh, Nikola Vucevic. Yeah. Um, from Orlando. Um, but I am, I'm, I'm with what you're getting at here where do you really – uh, need another another guy like another number one option because obviously if you're looking for a guy that 
is going to kind of do it all or is going to kind of obviously is going to play a big role in the team. I don't, I don't even know if there's guys out there you can fit in Max to just be a defensive stud. There's like guys like Rudy Gobert don't, don't come along like that very often. So um, I would go the route that you're talking, kind of, kind of piecemeal that up into different roles, smaller roles. Yeah. To add a backup point guard, maybe with some defensive upside, um, get some more depth there. Uh, on the wings, back up three, and then some rotational big pieces. Because, and again, with the concerns about Giles uh, and his health, you want to have kind of a plan B there, uh, or plan A if you want to if you want plan uh, Giles for now until he until he shows that he's one hundred percent healthy. Yeah. So starting with the center position, the guy that I've really liked who for a number of reasons I'll go into a little bit, is Dwayne Dedman. I think that he he can run with the pace a little bit. He's on the only team that is on level pace-wise, sometimes one team's first, the other second. On Atlanta, he's only on a two-year, $14 million, seven a year. I think that he can hit the three. I, I think that that spacing is going to be huge. That's why we see Belly in the starting lineup a lot. I know Fox has really credited Belly for that. And I mean, Bagley and Fox both, they can attack the rim amazingly. And if that opposing big isn't in the paint, I, I think I saw a crazy stat where Deadman was like 43% from the corners, um, which I mean, you know, you can't expect them to necessarily do that all the time. But I think being able to space the floor, the one concern is he's not a great rebounder, but I found myself when I was looking at centers, not worrying about that as much kind of because I see more minutes next year going to Bagley and Giles, who I think both at least put in the effort on the glass. Now, you're speaking my language, man. I, uh, I tweeted out a couple of days ago about my, my favorite targets for the front court for the Kings, and Dwayne Dedman was number one on my list. Okay, yeah, and then, for sure. And then who else did you have in there? Was it like a, like a Miritich... I had, yeah, I had Miritich in there, Brooke Lopez. Um, okay. Those are guys that, you know, you're talking about big, stretchy guys that yeah. can also uh, block some shots if they need to, which which we certainly desperately need some shot blockers. Although Marvin Bagley is, is doing yeah. that himself. Um, and then if, you know, you, you mentioned the concern about Edmonds rebounding, I certainly wouldn't mind getting some guys that are – I think uh, Ed Davis is a guy that comes up as like an elite rebounding option that you can you can happily uh, bring off the bench. He's not looking for a starting job, you know what I mean? Yeah. So and other guys as well. I think uh, Kyle Quinn is a good name to think about. Uh, could be available for pretty cheap and, and doesn't require a three or four year deal. You know, someone that someone you can kind of bring in to be that big body if uh, Bagley's getting pushed around. Yeah, one that Brooke Lopez one is interesting to me because obviously he's had a crazy season. This whole splash mountain, just hitting crazy threes. Like he does, he does pump fakes, dribbles, and step backs. I'm like, what is happening right now? Sometimes when he's chucking up these threes, and he's great on the defensive end, which was one of the big knocks when he signed with Milwaukee. Like I, I just don't, I'm not sure what he's gonna look at this off season, money wise. I think that he's a perfect center for today's NBA, really, in ways. And I just don't know what he's going to demand in this offseason. 
it's such a mystery because, you know, he was brought in on the MLE, I believe, till Milwaukee, you know, considered like a top, one of the best centers in the league when he was uh, with the Nets and then, you know, obviously lost a big payday because of the black hole of the Lakers organization there briefly. And it is, it's such a mystery, especially with so much money available and so many free agents on the market. I can see him getting, I can see him signing like a, another shorter term, smaller deal where I could see someone really for splash mountain and just being like, this is our guy. He's still young enough that we can sign him to a three or four year deal. And we'll just throw a ton of money at him because he's a special guy. He doesn't, you know, he has a skill set that is just rare and is super, super valuable in this league. Yeah. And then the other one that's thrown around that's kind of interesting, I'm kind of for it, is Boogie's return. Uh, obviously, you know, he loved Sacramento and left because he wasn't able to win. There wasn't anything around him. And now there's all the pieces except this center, it really feels like. I mean... Do you entertain the idea of bringing Boogie back? I um, would be against it personally. And it is so tough because it would just like, I almost would want to see it happen for the entertainment value of it. Yeah. And just because everyone is going to lose their minds. Everyone will have an opinion about it. Everyone already does have an opinion about it. Um, I think that's a little bit foolhardy. I, I don't see that as being the right decision as far as you kind of, you kind of look at him and you look at Brook Lopez and it's like, I of have the same skill set. Right. And then, but you got to think about that usage again and yeah. how Brooke has like integrated himself into this, do what I need to do to help the team win. And I will play this smaller role so that I can make everyone around me better. I don't know that Boogie is really able to do that. And maybe he is able to do that with the Warriors, but does that mean that he's able to do it with the Kings if a, you know, a championship title isn't possibility in the next year or two? Um, and then, you know, just it's, it's hard to, it's hard to know how all the personalities would fit together with him returning. To me, that feels like, probably a little more trouble than the upside could be worth. And just, I don't know that I see him like when you, when you try to throw him in with the, the five or six, five or six core guys that we had discussed, there are enough touches to make everybody happy. I'm not sure. Yeah. So it's, it's almost that same thing as not spending max on one thing where you don't need that number one option. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Okay. So then moving on to the wing here, I mean, do you, there's Brewer, who I I really like. He's a hustle guy. I think he's a veteran. But, I mean, I, I think so many people would love to see Shump back. Uh, I'm not one of those people. Really? Actually. Yeah, I am pretty much alone. In the, I don't know. Alone is overstating it. But I'm definitely in the minority when I say that. I think that his effect on the team was overstated, at least as far as on the court. I think it was very overstated. Trying to detract from his effect in the locker room, which I think was was huge in bringing this team together. Um, but 
I, I didn't really feel it on the court. I didn't think that he was a great decision maker. I think he, especially as he started to slump uh, in, near the end of his tenure here in Sacramento, I think he was taking far too many shots and he was early and just, you know, he's not been an efficient offensive player ever in his life with the possible exception of the first few months of the season where he was just super hot. And as soon as that went away, he, he still was taking all those shots. They just weren't going in. I think he was to a halt there, grinding the Kings offense to a halt. halt. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just – I felt there was an obligation to play him, uh, big minutes, and an obligation to start him after a while because he had – I mean, he had – he had been really hot, um, but I, I'm, I am personally glad that the trade happened when it did because he was turning downward and he's continued to not play well. Um, and I, I'm kind of glad that that bullet was dodged a little bit. And I'd prefer if I can choose between the two, no question. Hmm. So even with Burks not really seeing any minutes, like if, cause I understand what you're saying. I think on the court, is definitely not where I felt Chumper. I probably just spent way too much time watching those videos of Shumpert and Fox playing horse in an empty Golden One Center and that that type of stuff. Um, but for me, I mean, I've been surprised that Burks hasn't seen any minutes there as that, I mean, that was what we really swapped him for. We got a second also. I, I want to say it was Houston's second, so it's pretty late. But I mean, yeah, I, I get what you're saying there. So then the other guys that I think are interesting to me at this wing position that really make more sense and would contribute more are like a Trevor Ariza. I don't know how much he'll get. I know he'll be popular for sure. Amazing 3 and D guy. And then like a Damari Carroll, a cheaper option would be an Anthony Tolliver maybe. Do any of those interest you a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. All those types of guys do. I think Tolliver might be rangy enough to play on the three anymore. Um, but if we're talking like a true, a guy, someone, like someone that can play the small forward role, um, you know, behind, it's kind of the, the Barnes role, like backing up Barnes. Yeah. That Danny Green is an option you could go out and, and throw some money at. Definitely. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's got that. He definitely knows how to win. You know what I mean? He's, yeah. he's, <laughs> he's had a tremendous amount of success in his basketball career, like only playing for the best team. So that's, that's cool. You think he's, um, he can play the three? I do. Yeah. I think he, you know, as far as who he can defend, absolutely. I think he's one of the better okay. perimeter def- defenders in the league. I guess he can't really play up to the four like Barnes can, but yeah. I got like, uh, I got like green. I would love Ariza's interesting depending on the price tag. Um, Mute. um, mm-hmm. I've seen Rudy Gay Someone thrown in that, there a little bit. Yeah, I, I would be for that as well. I, yeah, I mean, I think that wings are a little bit harder to track down. Uh, a wing that can have a, a big impact. I'm trying to think of if there's a few other – I know there's a few other guys that I had my finger on for, for that backup wing spot. But, um yeah, you know, I think that if you can bring in anyone who's who's gonna who can give you twenty minutes of, of three and D, that would be a big deal for this team. Yeah, definitely. And you t- touched on Barnes a little bit there. Where do you like him playing? I mean, I personally 
feel like he's a three that is capable of doing that four, and it's nice to have the versatility, but I would much rather have him at that three spot. Yeah, I'm I'm with you 100%. I think that he's having the three. We, we've spent too much time with an undersized three, um, but I I don't want the Kings to be to be rocking an undersized three. I, I want the Kings to have a three that can play up when he needs to. And um, if you keep him, if you kind of slot him in there at the small forward spot, then if there is concern with Giles, uh, his health and his readiness. Uh, to play a, a full season to start. The fact that you can move Barnes up to the four easily is is only a, a good thing. Yeah. So then the last spot is really that backup point guard. And just starting, I mean, Yogi will still be on the roster. What, do you, what are your thoughts on him? Is it just too much of a defensive liability? I, I think that he hustles, and I like the effort from him. He, for some reason, seems automatic in transition threes. <laughs> but what are, you, yeah. what are your thoughts on Yogi in that backup point guard? I get nervous about Yogi at times. I, I really do. Um, defensively, especially. It's just a size thing. And I know that's because he's been a really efficient guy. And I think in a pinch, he is is totally fine. And I think that he's this year and, and his, it's you know his energy it's not about his effort it's not about his energy because those are things that he does great and I think he fits this team's ethos in that way where it's just a bunch of guys that give their all you know what I yeah. mean but yeah but um I would I would definitely you know if we've got 40 million in space here I would try I would throw uh, you know some of that at Deadman green and then the third guy would be patrick beverly okay um he's got some injury stuff too he when he's healthy he is just such an annoyance on defense to other teams i mean he, he can come in there and just death yeah, put like an opposing team's ball anyway and I, I i think that is something that would really help out this team is is a guy it's a lockdown uh defensive point guard yeah. And I kind of, I like to look at the little more low key guys, I guess. I mean, Beverly's the one I see out, see thrown out there a lot. And I totally understand why. The one that interests me that I wanted to get your opinion on, and it might be a little bit redundant with Yogi, is Atias Jones. I feel like he's a good, he's a good ball handler and he, and he has that effort on defense. But is it, I mean, do you worry about the size? It's kind of the same thing as Yogi, no? I suppose I I don't think I would have to look you know I'd have to see them side by side but I think Tyus is a little bit little bit bigger I, I worry that Yogi is like five foot ten like that that's how we're gonna end up his size maybe okay. that's just maybe he plays a little small yeah there's a solid six feet six two wingspan and um, no I think he's an incredible defender uh, I kind of discounted him thinking that the Wolves would be crazy not to just bring him back and. I do believe he's a restricted free agent, but uh, at the same time, the Wolves make baffling decisions all the time. So, you know, <laughs> Fair enough. probably silly of me to to count that out. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I love his defense for sure. And if he's too good to be a backup in my mind, I think that the Wolves would be best just um, you know starting him above Jeff Teague. But yeah, I, I would agree with that. I, another I, guy. I, that, 
Go ahead. Just sorry, throw out one more name at you. Um, what do you think about like uh, Corey Joseph? I I like that one. I think that he he's a hustle guy and he definitely fits as a backup point guard. Um, he can hit his shots. I'm good with that one. One that kind of intrigues me a little more, but it is less shooting, is Alfred Payton. I, I think that he he can get some boards occasionally. He's like Mr. Triple Double right now in in New Orleans, but there is that injury concern. But I, I do like Joseph. I, I think that, like I said, he can space a little bit. I, I think that he fits that role of a backup point guard. I mean, he does everything that you would need him to. So I... I mean, obviously, same as you. Beverly's my number one, but I don't think that the Clippers will let him walk. I mean, it depends if they get get two max guys, but Doc just raves about Beverly, and he's definitely a Doc Rivers type of player. But second, I, I'm pretty close one and two with Joseph and Payton. I'm hoping that uh, the Clippers go out for the big fish and let, let a guy like Beverly go. Um, but yeah, I, I like the... I've. <laughs> I was like a Peyton stand, like an irrational Peyton stand for a while. And I don't really know why. Something about, I think it was the hair for a while. <laughs> Back in Orlando? I was just like, I was, yeah, I was into that crazy hair that like blocked his ability to see the basket. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the problem with him is, like you said, the injuries. And then if you want to talk about guys that have issues with the free throw line, he might fit into the yeah. Kings system too well uh, <laughs> as far as shooting 70% from the free Fair throw enough, line. yeah. And what about like a Ricky Rubio? I, I don't know if his price would be a little too high. I think that Utah likes him and some other teams definitely would too. But does he intrigue you at all there? The concern with Rubio for me would be A, the price and and be the usage or the role that he would expect because obviously we need De'Aaron to be the undoubted, you know, 32 minutes a game minimum. And that like Fox, if, if any of that gets taken away from this team and Rubio is not the most athletic guy. So I worry about if we've got to carve out a role for him, if that's too big, does that affect the flow that we've currently got rocking? Okay. So then, if you're picking your three that you're moving forward with, who who the three are you taking? I'll, I'll give you mine first. I'll go with, I, I think that more realistically it's Deadman, but I would like Lopez. You sold me on Danny Green. I'm all for that. Lopez, Green, and Beverly would be my three. Yeah. Um, I am trying to think about the price tag as well. These three guys... And I, yeah, I don't know that it's fully possible to get Lopez in the mix, but in a perfect world, I think I would agree with you there to get Deadman. I think might be a little more realistic to squeeze three guys in, but either Deadman or Lopez, if you could get this on like two to three years around 12 or 13 million a piece. Yeah, absolutely. Give me Beverly. So we're Beverly Green and Desmond. Yeah, I'm all for it. I mean, I, I already love this team. And give me, I love those players that you just love if they're on your team and hate if they're on any other. It's like a Marcus Smart, Draymond Green, Patrick Beverly fits perfectly in that mold. I would love to see him on this team. 
But um, just to kind of close out here, who who's your playoff team? I mean, the Kings are sitting out. Who who are you rooting for? Who's my team for this upcoming playoffs? Yeah. Oh, that's a good question. Um, I, I'm kind of a weird guy uh, as far as the teams that I find myself rooting for. Um, I'm not from Sacramento originally. Uh, I grew up in the Bay Area watching the Warriors, and I, then I gave same way. Interesting. I see. I quit on them when they after they won their first title. Because to me, it's boring at that point, and I want to suffer a little bit. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I'm into into bad teams that are turning the corner. I, I think Brooklyn is probably a team okay. that I'm looking at, uh, especially, you know, if they, if they end up playing uh, – if they end up getting that six seed – and they and they get embroiled in like a six or seven game series with Philly. That's going to be a really fun watch, and I'll be rooting for for the guys in Brooklyn to come through there. Um, aside from that, you know, I, there's not a lot of teams in the Western Conference that I like. I, I don't know why. Maybe that is it. Maybe that's happening to me because I've I've started following the the Kings really closely. And I, salty I Kings a, fan. I have a weird hatred for everyone else <laughs> on the West Coast. But um, yeah, yeah. Give me Brooklyn. I, I I feel I feel like the those teams in the bottom of the East are the teams that I, I would be rooting for an upset in pretty much any series. And you know, give me the Pistons, give me the Nets, give me the Heat or the the Magic. If the Magic are playing against anybody, sure. Let's let's see some wins for Magic. Okay. How do you feel about the Clippers? I feel like they fit that mold of what you were talking about a little bit, like young and upcoming. Is it just you can't do LA? I actually was a, uh, a I was a pretty big Clippers fan for a while when I lived in LA. I, I hate it. I mean, I've always hated the Lakers. Obviously, I mean, who doesn't hate the Lakers? Of course. Um, yeah. So, but I don't know that they're that young and upcoming. I, I I mean, I guess you got Trez and you got Shy, but they also got a lot of Wiley vets on that squad. That's fair. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I certainly support them over. Over most of the West Coast teams, but uh, non Kings okay. West Coast teams, but but yeah, then, I don't know. It's hard. I think losing out in that playoff spot to them for the Kings was hard. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I guess I could go with uh, San Antonio in the West because I respect. I just respect Pop and what he's able to do with teams that really shouldn't be good on paper every single year. Yeah. What is it? Twenty-two seasons in a row now of playoffs. Absolutely insane. Ridiculous. Yeah. So then, I mean, in the end, is it still? I find it hard to say anything but Golden State really taking it. I know that there's these teams in the East that look really good. I just, I can't find myself. If I'm really just trying to be realistic about it, to me, Golden State takes it again, and then just KD, please leave. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's certainly the the, the smart the smart betting move. But I uh, I have a lot of faith in in Milwaukee and Toronto. Uh, I had to I 
on sets there, but I think I would go Raptors. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I think that the East is at least going to be putting up a good fight. The finals are going to be really entertaining. And really, the playoffs in Eastern Conference will be fun as well. But um, that was about all I had for you, man. Was there anything else that you maybe wanted to touch on, Rich? Yeah, well, let's uh, continuing this talk about the playoffs. Uh, I'd love to ask you um, what you thought the, the chances were for the Kings to sneak in next year. And if so, who you see dropping dropping out in the West? Yeah, this is this is my issue. Is that obviously I want to put them up there, but like you said, I mean, obviously someone's got to drop out, and likely the Lakers get a guy, so they're going to be up there for a spot. I'm a big Minnesota guy. I think that if they got someone decent, that they could be fighting for a playoff spot. I mean. You never want to bet against this team, but I would say the Spurs have to be the team out because I think the Clippers, the Clippers are my pick for getting Kawhi, even though I'm growing more so on him staying in Toronto. I think they get someone. To me, it has to be San Antonio and then possibly Utah. But I, if I really had to rank it not being a Kings fan, I think it's likely that they can miss out again. Yep. Completely agree with you. And it hurts. Uh, I, it does. It's unfair, honestly. Fair. When you see a team like Detroit in the sixth seed. Yeah. In the East. Um, this, this is something that is really worth time and consideration because you, you see the growth from the Kings and you – 41 games this year potentially uh, and then they could get better next year but then somehow there's this conflicting thought like well they, they still can't make the playoffs right because it's just but yeah I thought about this for a while and Antonio was one of my first thoughts and then like you said with Pop like he just doesn't miss the playoffs like he just you know you can give him any 13 guys like he's getting he's getting to the playoffs like and they have DeJounte Murray back no absolutely it's someone said like you could give him a high school basketball team and they at least make the playoffs yeah um so I don't think that that's until he retires I don't know what you're going to do about that see Houston falling out of it eventually in the next three years if Chris Paul really kind of falls apart um, and maybe they get into some problems with their situation. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know that Harden can do it completely on his own. Yeah. What about Portland? Already, yeah. Portland's the team because I mean, it's so sad to say, but uh, the Nurkic, the Nurkic injury, Oof. it was, that was devastating. Yeah. Obviously CJ has got stuff going on too. Uh, Injury-wise, and then, you know, if they can't get out of the first round, they'll probably have a new coach. And I don't know that Dame comes back when his contract is up. So that might be the team. I thought they were the team that was going to come out of of it this year. Yeah. I also, I mean, I don't know who saw Denver doing this well, but I sure didn't think, I, I thought they very likely could be looking on the outside of the playoffs again this year. I just didn't see the defense being there. Right. Right. I 
Yeah, I don't know. And Donovan Mitchell is just getting getting older and better. I don't know that they're falling out of it. Yeah. Did, if you got if you're putting your money on a team to, to to leave the playoffs, I think it is Portland. And then after that, you kind of gotta hope something unforeseen where another team just has too many problems with maybe their coach leaves, maybe they get the injury bug. And, yeah. and then it's a fight between the Lakers and the Kings. And honestly, the Mavericks might be part of that too with uh, KP. And, yeah. And they got room for another Max guy, so it's a problem. And, I mean, this has been said for a couple years, but I almost feel like the Suns are in a spot to make a Kings-like jump where – their defense has been amazing the second half of this season. If they landed like a John Morant, Morant, I think you saw you say it actually. Um, I, I think he's a perfect fit there. They need that point guard. I mean, it's really just the Pelicans. And even if the Pelicans get some crazy trade for AD, they're halfway decent. The Grizzlies are probably the bottom. I mean, the entire West is just insane. Yeah. Did yeah. you see? Did you see the? Um, the general manager poll, I want to say it was, on who they would take between the four sophomores, four sophomores out of Simmons, Mitchell, Tatum, and Fox. I did not. And so the order they ranked it one to four was Simmons first. It was in the order I just said: Simmons, Mitchell second, Tatum third, Fox fourth. But apparently, you know, people had the most to say about Fox, saying that he was the leader of the team. Um, that he he really has that in him. I mean, do you think that's a fair ranking? I, th- those guys and the rookies this year are just ridiculous. Like they, those are the guys that are taking over the league. But I don't know how much I can justify putting Fox. I mean, there's no way you can put him above Simmons. But that's the clear one. And then the rest of me, I feel like you can you can throw him around a little bit between those two to four. I think that it's completely up for grabs. I can make a case for putting Fox above Simmons really without a problem. I, and, I, and that case is that he can shoot the ball. Okay. That's a problem. Like, that's a real problem for me. I, I know he's not a freak of nature, six foot ten ball handler, but oh, like, that's, that's not a good thing. And uh, I mean, he's the oldest of those guys as well. Or no, I'm sorry. Mitchell's uh, old, older as well, but. I think Fox might be the youngest of that group, so I think there's an argument for for him as well. Yeah. So no, uh, I mean, you're right. There's no guarantee that Simmons eventually gets that jump shot. Like it feels like everyone's like, you know, eventually it'll happen. But if it doesn't, I mean, you see teams like Boston absolutely destroyed him last year, um, where you just stand in the paint and you don't even worry about him. I don't, yeah, I think that's a real, real, real issue. Like he, it's not even that he is a bad shooter. It's he is a dreadful shooter. And, yeah. and you saw Boban drain a three last night. It's like, <laughs> yeah. come on, man, if Boban's doing it, like you have to be able to do it every once in a while. Yeah. And he hits him in warmups. It's just, my thing is he doesn't even try to shoot him. Like you have a halfway decent form. You got to start somewhere. I mean, throw them up. Like, if teams are going to give you that much space, how do you not look at the rim at all? It's a real issue. Yeah. So, anyways, um, that was, yeah. Like I said, that was about everything. Is there anything else you want to throw at me or you want to you touch on a little bit? 
I think I'm good, Brandon. Uh, thank you for having me on, man. This was a really good experience. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you very much. And anyone listening, be sure to check out Rich and everyone else that is on Sacktown Royalty. Great content there from Kings Guys. Give them a follow on Twitter as well. Uh, what was your Twitter handle, man? It's Ivanowski, NBA. This is my last name. And then NBA, I'll spell that real quick. I-V-A-N-O-W-S-K-I-N-B-A.